It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all out there in Cougar Nation are doing fantastic. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Ahead on today's show, an exclusive one-on-one conversation with Matt Brown from Extra Points and D1 Ticker. What is Matt's latest work covering? What is the future in his mind of FBS football, in particular at the Power 5 level? How important was it for BYU to make the Power 5 ranks at this point? A whole lot to cover ahead on today's show with Matt Brown and with Without further ado, let's dive in right away. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 8th, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for joining us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Our goal here on Locked On Cougars is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. And the only way to do that is to listen to this show daily. So thank you for your support of the show as always. Not going to waste a lot of time on today's show and get right to it now. Welcoming in Matt Brown of Extra Points, the newsletter does a fantastic job, also hosted the Going for Two podcast. And now, Matt, I'm going to start here. You have a new partnership with D1 Ticker. Well, what is the reasoning for you joining D1 Ticker? Explain it for us. Yeah, um, I think this is a really exciting partnership. For folks that don't know, D1 Ticker is probably the largest college sports industry-specific newsletter. reaches over 17,000 uh, ADs and vendors and university presidents and then people that really work in this space. It's, and it's free. So if you're, if you're trying to get a, you know, go on a daily clipping service, this is the place to go. Um, I realized that, you know, I, I managed to build a successful business in extra points, but I was right. I'm writing 7,000, 8,000 words a week. And then I was also selling my own ads and selling my own bulk partnerships and like trying to book my own travel and do and be my own legal department and do everything. And I couldn't keep doing all of that and make work that I was proud of and like be a good dad. <laughs> like I was, I was burning out. So when I had this opportunity here to, uh, to sell, you know, D1 ticker, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a D1 ticker employee. Now they've acquired extra points. You know, we, we set up a partner, like a partnership there. Um, this gives me a chance to, focus on the things that I think I'm good at, which is reporting and telling stories and filing open records requests and, and getting into the, the, the meat of how this industry works and then let somebody else handle the stuff I'm not so good at um, and help introduce me to people that I haven't met because I launched this, you're right, right when the pandemic started. So I'm launching this thing from my basement in Chicago. I, I knew some athletic directors and I knew some coaches, but some of these relationships I'm trying to build over Zoom or when I'm teaching Zoom school and the D1 ticker folks have been really plugged into this world for a long time. So I, I, I'm excited about this. I think it's not only more financially sustainable, but it's, it, it's going to cre- create, it's not going to, it is creating a better product, which I, I hope that uh, readers of the extra points have seen and will continue to see. I know you know this, but I, I've been a subscriber to Extra Points since day one. I think you do fantastic work. And you're, you're, the way you uh, cover college sports is is unique in my mind. And Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you try and look at this as kind of the intersection of where uh, college athletics meets uh, all the different things 
that it interacts with in the real world, if that makes sense. The the, the financial aspect of it, the, the overall just craziness of the college athletic sphere, I think is what you try and cover in your sphere. Thanks. That, that, that's what I'm trying to do, right? Like even, even in your market, there's so many smart people that are way better at breaking down tape than I am or are going to do a better job of figuring out where a high school is going to go or can tell you who's going to win a game or how a game's going to work. That's, I, I care about those things, but I can't do that better than the best people in any one market. But when everyone else is focused on where you know, Jackson Dart's going to go or um, how BYU is going to respond to a 4-3 defense or how does this recruiting trend work, that gives me the space to dig into finances or about uh, educational administration uh, or about uh, religion or about uh, NCAA bylaws or things that really shape what you guys see on Saturdays and what happens in March and what happens over the summer. Um, I, ha- I have the space to dig into that. And those are the stories that I'm interested in. And I hope other people continue to find them interesting enough to want to read. All right, so you you recently were at the NCAA convention that's held annually. Was it in Indianapolis? Is it, is it in Indianapolis every year? I don't, I don't think it's in India every year. I think they rotate it Okay, uh, between L.A. and San Antonio, but this is actually the first time I've covered it. Uh, and it was it was an indie this time. So I I wanted to kind of get your uh, your sense for everything that you experienced there because I know you've been doing you obviously host uh, your your podcast as well and you you and Brian Fisher do a great job uh, and you did a great job covering that. But I, I wanted to just kind of get an overall sense of what you took away from the convention itself. Sure. So you know, the convention is this kind of funny event, right? Because there really aren't too many times and you get folks from divisions one, two, and three all together at the same time. You know, every single subcommittee in the, in the behemoth NCAA bureaucracy is meeting around this time, along with all kinds of vendors and people that are doing business with, with athletic departments. And um, it's funny because over four days, including when many of these people haven't seen each other in person in a long time, there really was very little hard news. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of the, subcommittee meetings and everything were essentially to kind of set up other meetings later on. The really big thing that happened was that the NCAA voted to approve a new constitution. And it's a new constitution that takes a lot of the authority that was in Indianapolis uh, and delegates it to different divisions. So that means that over the next six months or so, maybe less, Division One has a chance to write a completely new constitution for Division One. And this hasn't happened yet, but this is what I think is really important. I think it's important, particularly for fans of anybody, you know, for BYU or Utah, uh, or who are not, you know, behemoth, gigantic blue blood, blue, blue blood programs, excuse me, because this new constitution is going to reevaluate everything. It's going to reevaluate the NCAA infractions process, which everybody agrees totally sucks. Nobody's satisfied with it right now. Uh, and this is a chance to completely revamp who investigates NCAA violations and, and what, that, what that punishment structure looks like. It's a chance to completely revisit the NCAA tournament and uh, how that money is distributed and what that access looks like. It's a chance to revisit what, what's required to make a conference and what's required to reclassify from FCS to FBS, Division II, what it even means to be a D1 school. You know, a lot of these rules have, you know, have been in place since the 50s We've just kind of tacked on new rules instead of really reevaluating how everything fits. And this is a chance to do that. So I think there wasn't a whole lot of acrimonious debate outside of a few division three schools, uh, you know, last week in Indy, 
but there's definitely going to be over the next couple of months. And we could be looking at a very different division one system than we've seen for the past 30 years. All right. So my, I got a few different ways I want to go with. So I'm going to start here. Who will be part of the, I guess in this case, division one, who will be part of that process of writing this new constitution? Are there people that are already in place for this or is that still yet to be determined? That's a great question. So the first draft of, of this kind of you know, proposed new constitution is coming out of something that's called the uh, Transformation Committee. Uh, that committee is co-chaired by Greg Sankey, who's the commissioner of the uh, SEC, and Julie Cromer, who is the athletic director at Ohio University in the MAC. Uh, there's a bunch of other people that are on that committee that aren't chairing it. Uh, I know like Pat Chun, the athletic director of Washington State's on that committee. Uh, you've got people from not every single Division One conference, which is a source of, of some acrimony among the low majors, but most Division One conferences, and obviously everybody from the Power Five is represented. I think, I think George Kliakov's on this thing too. Um, and they are, uh, they've, they've begun meeting, they're sharing proposals, and I was you know, talking to a, every AD I could shove a mic in front of, uh, even if it was off the record, to say like, okay, what, what do you expect these guys to talk about? Or you know, what, what are some of the major issues? And uh, they may have their first draft as, as early as, as later this spring. And then, you know, there's going to be revisions and then it'll be voted on and there'll be lots of public debate. Uh, and, and the hope is to have something wrapped up this year, you know, potentially as early as this summer. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, the NCAA Constitution moved along pretty quickly. You know, th- those, those committees started, I want to say, last spring. We had a first draft in November. Uh, we had voting in December, like, uh, some, some votes in December, and then it was ready in mid-January to be fully adopted. We'll see what the timeline looks like for the D1 thing, because that's going to be more complicated. You mentioned the fact that they could revamp how the infractions process it, it goes and how it's enforced and all that. Would they, in essence, allow the NCAA proper, the, the folks headquartered there in Indianapolis, to handle that, albeit with new rules, new regulations, or is there going to be a whole new enforcement division created? It's going to be a whole new everything. and, and for, Because for one, the NCAA, the people in Indianapolis, the, those full-time employees, they are going to be doing a lot less now. And, and you know, in the past, like the infractions committee, that sometimes included people that weren't on the individual one at all. Now it, now it won't. It will be whatever division one says it is. They could create a full-time enforcement staff uh, to handle some of these things. Uh, one idea that a couple of administrators have floated to me would be um, literally outsourcing it to a private law firm. You know, some ex-retired FBI agents or, you know, Jones Day or, or some of these other you know, companies, and then they handle it. Um, th- that's, that's something to be kind of discussed. You know, what, what I can say is like the two things where big schools, small schools, everybody agrees suck about this process. So one, it takes way too long. It should not take four years <laughs> to figure out how to punish somebody or what that process is going to look like. And that the bulk of the punishments uh, far, uh, fall on athletes, many of whom enrolled years after the violations and not the administrators or the coaches. Um, so I would, uh, my, my educated guess is that future NCAA enforcement will have more show causes, more fines, and more things to hurt individual like you know, professionals, and less often to have things like bowl bans or scholarship reductions. 
There you go, part one with Matt Brown. We'll have more in a moment with him. A lot more still to cover ahead on today's show. But a quick reminder for you guys that today's podcast is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. There might be less football being played, obviously, with just the Super Bowl remaining in this football season, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for the playoff season in the lead up to the Super Bowl. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 20. 2022, and it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. They've got all that covered for you guys, and they even got your favorite Vegas casino games online that you can play as well. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Check them out. That's BetOnline.net, the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Go to BetOnline.net. Check out all the different offers they have available to you guys. It's all courtesy of your friends over at BetOnline, where the game starts. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking here with Matt Brown from Extra Points. Uh, so, Matt, with regards to uh, what the future of Division One holds, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are probably sitting here thinking, okay, if this is going to be a brand new Division One structure, what's going to prevent the Power Five from creating their own division and sending the G Five to their own division? D- do you see that happening, or is it, or is that not in the discussion right now? Um. It is a possibility. I personally think it's a very unlikely one, and that's one that's shared even by Power 5 ADs that I've talked to. Um, part of that is simply math, because if the Power 5 breaks away and plays the, the bulk of their game, football games in particular against only other Power 5 institutions, well, someone's going to be paying $7.5 million to an SEC West team that's going to go 1-11. Or, or two and 20. Like Vanderbilt won't make a bowl game for an ever. Um, and you, you can't do that in some places. And, and you'll also lose some TV inventory. So I you know a couple of people have, have, have uh, both the P5 and G5 and SCS have said, you know, there is a chance that, you know, cause, well, cause the NCAA doesn't really, really oversee FBS football right now. Like that's, that's, um, that's the college football playoff. Yeah. That, the uh, you know it, it, the responsibility for enforcement or or any of the administrative stuff for big time football is a completely different entity, um, but they don't expect it to be a neat like cutoff line between just power conferences and everybody else. If there is a cutoff, maybe it's the, you know eighty or ninety schools instead of one thirty. Well, I'll tell you here though, and I don't think the rest of the college athletics world has grasped this. And I'm going to say this on every podcast that I go on. The big place where you're going to see the biggest changes, I think, is with the men's basketball tournament. I'll, I'll tell you why. So another reason why you don't uh, hedge against the P5 walking away is the enormous commercial success of the basketball tournament. And part of that is because people, like normies, people who aren't college basketball fans, love to watch and gamble on this tournament um, because it's the Summit League's playing in it. They want to bet on Eastern Washington upsetting somebody. There's an emotional appeal to watching a, a, a Cinderella uh, that isn't there for watching a 6-10 and 10 Virginia Tech team that finished like 13th in the ACC kind of back their way into a bit. Um, what, what you are going to hear, though, and it'll be interesting to see where else this comes from in the Big 12 in particular, 
Our Power Five commissioners and admins saying, we want more autonomy and more control in the next constitution. And what that means in English, which, you know, is we want more money. <laughs> and the way we want more money is through this tournament. And there's a couple of different ways they can get more money without breaking things away. I had athletic directors float all of these possibilities to me. One of them is, that the, is to expand the tournament. And this is something I know that fans aren't really crazy about, but there is... Like there's a non-zero chance that this happens where instead of being a 68 team tournament, it's like an 80 or a 90 team tournament. Um, and the bulk of those new at large bids goes to power six conferences. Now, including the big East here, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that the idea of an automatic qualification for every single division one conference goes away. Um, and instead maybe only the top 24 conferences get an auto bid. You know, something, something kind of like how the FCS does things for, for, for the football playoffs. And then if you, you, know, you win the league in one of these, these bottom six leagues or whatever, you just have a playoff against a, a champion of another crappy league, right? Like, okay, congratulations, you won the NEC. Um, you don't get a 16th seed, now you play against the winner of the Colonial Athletic or something. You know what I mean? Like, that is a possibility. The other possibility is they either do away with or completely change the idea of an NCAA unit payout. Uh, which is a way that the money from the men's tournament is distributed, right? You, you're, you win a game in the tournament, your conference wins games in the tournament, you guys all make extra money that gets distributed. It's a huge deal if you're like the WCC or the Missouri Valley or something. No guarantee that continues. I've had some administrators say, we need to decrease the value of the men's unit and create a unit payout for the women's tournament, which, hey, wouldn't be bad news for BYU. Uh, I've had some ministers say we should get rid of it completely or we should change the formula. So more of that money is concentrated among the teams that drive the most TV money at the end of the tournament, which are power conference teams. So these are all things to monitor here where you don't necessarily have to break away, but the team, the places with the most money and power can further consolidate that money and power and championship access. And like, that's where some of the biggest fights are going to go. Does that all make sense? Yeah, it does. And you mentioned BYU there. They're going to be moving into the Big 12 here. Yep. Is BYU moving into the Big 12 at an advantageous time with regards to this? Uh, I, I know oh, most, yeah. most, most BYU fans consider it advantageous, obviously, to make it into the Power 5. But with this new Division One structure coming up, is BYU moving at the right time? This, is, this, this could not have worked out better. Um, and I think BYU would have been in an enormously bad position had they not uh, been moving into a power conference. Because as an independent – you don't really have anybody advocating for you in the college football playoff meetings and then the, the structure of how college football is set up. Notre Dame has that, but you know nobody is pushing for UConn's interest and nobody was really advocating for BYU. And I think that hurt their bowl access uh, these past couple of years. Um, and and uh, as we move into a system where the, the five leagues and potentially maybe two or three leagues are about to consolidate even more money and power, you can, if you want to compete at the level that BYU wants to, uh, across your whole athletic department, you really can't be on the uh, be south of that line. So this this is a very a very good time for them to be moving in here. You know, I, I wouldn't spike the football too much about you know wanting to push for a formal stratification of college sports because of the, the risk, right? If today the cutoff line is eighty teams for football, the cutoff line could be twenty five or thirty or forty teams in a decade, and then there's no guarantee BYU makes that cut, right? If, if we have some kind of like college football super champions league where they just take the top 40 teams, yeah. maybe BYU isn't in that, isn't in that group. Um, there's, there's no, there's no guarantee of it. So I, I don't think you'd want to push that. You're not Ohio state. You're not USC. Uh, I, BYU and Utah Iowa fans, I think would, would look at like, Hey, 
Well, glad we're on the right side of the line now. We're going to have more money, more power, more influence about what Division One looks like moving forward. Maybe we should be judicious about how we push for that influence to be used, because there's no guarantee that we, that we might be on the we won't be on the other side of the gun uh, at some other time in the future. Okay, I want to expand that question a little bit to the entire new Big 12. Obviously, there is some uh, question of when Texas and Oklahoma ultimately will make their move to the SEC. But regardless, BYU and these other four schools are moving into the Big 12. The Big 12 is currently part of that autonomous five. That's the, the power five, the autonomous five. It's depending on how you want to term it. Will they be at any danger of losing that autonomy uh, as a new conference when you lose your heavy hitters in Texas and Oklahoma? In your opinion? No, I, I don't. I, I don't think so. You know, so you know, part of that is you know part of that power and flexibility within the NCAA structure comes from basketball, and even though. The, the, the tier one television value of the Big 12 is certainly going to decrease once Texas and Oklahoma leave by, by a very significant amount of money. And their ability to make a four-team college football playoff is going to decrease. In, in my estimation, it's going to drop to zero um, or almost zero without those two. But it's the best basketball league in the country this year. And, and when BYU and when UCF and Houston and Cincinnati join – it's going to remain the best league in the, in the, in the country. And, and a worst case scenario might drop to two. It's going to be the deepest league from top to bottom. No question about it. And that is an important currency in these kind of conversations. Now, you know, are they going to remain an ESPN property when they do the next TV deal? Probably not. I think Bob Bowles be kind of burned those boats. And I don't know if he's going to be the guy pushing, you know, leading those conversations anyway, because he's getting close to retirement age. Um, but I think rumors of this conference's demise in this pecking order are, uh, have been greatly exaggerated. Um, every meaningful metric shows that it's a stronger conference in football than the Pac-12 right now, uh, and probably will be until USC becomes USC again. And it's, it's an elite basketball league. Um, and even, just, even though it's going to be making 15, 20, 30, $40 million less maybe than the Big Ten at the end of their deal, doesn't mean that they're suddenly a peer of the American athletic, especially because I think the quality of so many of those G5 leagues after realignment has taken a pretty big hit. All right, we will round out today's show with one more segment with Matt Brown here in just a moment. But real quick, need to take a moment and talk to you about our friends over at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is your resource, my friends, when it comes to anything and everything for all of your vehicles. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you would need. Why would you stand there and answer all these questions that are intimidating to you? And hopefully, just hopefully, that person behind the counter has the part and maybe has one or two brand that they can order from their warehouse, guess what? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and also in your pocket, and that is what Rock Auto is all about. They have all the different manufacturers for all the different parts for all the different vehicles, makes, and models that you could ever need. So check them out. Their goal here with Rock Auto is to save you guys both time and money when using their resource. Why would you willingly choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? The best part is Rock Auto is a family business been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. 
Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've got everything you could ever want for any vehicle under the sun. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. Check them out now. That's rockauto.com. It's the all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Of course, without getting credit for sending you guys over to check out their resource. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our great local sponsors in Intercap Lending. There is a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap. And simply put, Intercap Lending, they get deals done. They feature a quick and simple process. They close loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the consumer. And that is what Locked On's personal loan officer at Intercap Lending, Steve Carter, has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far. He's helped Steve, uh, not Steve, Steve. Carter has helped David Locke, who is the podfather. He's the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. He has helped David through the process. And if he can help David through this, folks, he can help anybody through it. And although Intercap is new to the Locked On Cougars podcast, it's not a new company. They have been assisting customers with all of their mortgage needs since 1978. That is 44 years of experience behind them. And Steve Carter is providing Locked On listeners with the same best experience since 2018. They are headquartered here in Utah, speaking of Intercap, but they are licensed to help with all of your mortgage needs and more than 40 states. If you don't happen to live here in Utah, you can give them a call. Steve's direct line, if you'd like to ask him any questions or get started on the process, his direct number is 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. You can learn more by going to intercaplending.com as well. Or once again, give Steve a call. 385-800-8528 is the direct line to Steve Carter. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender talking with Matt Brown here from Extra Points. You mentioned the the potential of a super league of sorts being formed. Uh, some people I've talked to out this way, uh, guys that I work with on a day-to-day basis, believe the SEC could consolidate even more power, bring in some of the bigger names that are still out there in college football and create that so-called super league and put, in, put it under the SEC banner. Do you uh, think that's a possibility the SEC does that or do you think it would be the biggest programs from each Power 5 conference banding together and creating a whole new league if that were to happen i i mean i i think we're it's a little bit hard to speculate because so one like i i don't think that's um not only unlikely i don't think it's legally possible okay. to, to do that the way that the sec wants to do it within the next couple of years you know, the, the biggest reason being they can't legally add notre dame notre dame has signed an agreement that you know through the 2030s that states that if they join any conference it's got to be the acc or they're going to have to pay a, 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 a enormously hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, fee. Um, so, and, and you really can't have a full breakaway league, I think, without Notre Dame. I think, you know, saying this here as a son of Columbus and who knows the athletic department and culture of Ohio State and Michigan pretty well, it's going to be a cold day in hell before either of those programs join the SEC. Okay. And it's not just about money. It's about deep-seated cultural animosity. Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin like emotionally feel like they have a different vision for college sports than Alabama, LSU, and Florida. That's why the alliance exists. Like so much of that was just people and their feelings about um, distrust of the SEC and a disbelief in you know part of their vision. So it is very difficult for me to see a world where 
the, the, the growth in money would be so strong that Ohio State and Notre Dame and Michigan and quite frankly, some Pac-12 teams would swallow their pride and do this under Greg Sankey's banner. I understand why that's a popular like theory and message board trope, especially in the summer. I don't think that that's likely or even advisable uh, or of interest to some of those, those northern programs. I know you've been covering this closely. You've been uh, covering all this realignment stuff, particularly the FCS level, a lot of programs shuffling uh, different conferences at that level. Yep. Are we done with realignment at the Power 5 level for the time being? Do you see things on the horizon? Where do we stand on that? At the Power 5 level, I think we're probably done with the possible exception of the Big 12 deciding to go to 14 teams in a post-Texas and Oklahoma world. But I don't think you're going to see anything meaningful in that in that department. One, until we know in Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. And two, um, my understanding is that some of these presidents are waiting to see what the schools on their hot board end up doing. Right. South Florida, for example, um, is, is talking about building an on-campus stadium. They're talking about finally building an indoor football practice facility. They're talking about doing the things they should have done 15 years ago. And if you're the Big 12, I mean, you could add them now. Or you could wait two years to see if they'll actually do it. And if they don't do it, if they're unable to do it, then you dodge a bullet because then that's, that's not a pure program. You, you don't really benefit by bringing them aboard, right? Um, they're, they're, I know they're monitoring Memphis. They're monitoring Boise State. To a lesser extent, they're looking at San Diego State. Um, I don't know if the television consultants and partners with Fox or Amazon or other places have given them detailed enough data to demonstrate that they'll make more money if they do those things. But that's a possibility. But the chances of the Big Ten adding anybody right now, I would say are very slim. The chances of the Pac-12 adding somebody in the next three or four years are very slim. Uh, The ACC, only if ESPN says they'll redo their entire deal, and they're really only going to do that for Notre Dame. And that's part of why the playoff hasn't expanded. Where I do think you will continue to see realignment throughout all of next year. Is most predominantly at the FCS and one AAA level. Those are Division One leagues that don't sponsor football. Uh, I know Joe just uh, you know today when we were talking the, Col- the Colonial Athletic added three teams and they may be adding more. Um, the Southland, the OVC, the MIAC, the WAC—they're all on, on the the A Sun are all looking for new programs right now, along with a couple others in the Northeast. And I, I imagine that Conference USA, um, as we get more clarity about this next constitution, will look at other FCS candidates in a new light uh, to get to 10 teams, which will make some scheduling a little bit easier. But, um, I mean, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, I think, at this point, unless you know somebody ends up <laughs> becoming an Ivy League uh, research school in the next 18 months. All right. Well, I guess we can't count that out necessarily, but I don't also don't anticipate that happening either. So, yeah. Well, Matt, that, that, that would not be my guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know they like to talk about the research status, but yeah, there is a different. There are different levels of those research schools. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I hope to do it again soon. Uh, keep up the great work, and I'm going to let you lay it out. Where can everybody find your work? It's across a multiple a multitude of spectrums, but let everybody know where they can find your work. This is my pleasure. So the easiest way is follow me on Twitter. You know, Matt Brown EP is where I'm sharing all my stuff. Uh, my work primarily lives on three places these days. It lives on extra points. That's where I make my money. That is uh, starting next week. By the time you listen to the show, I think um, will be a daily newsletter Monday through Friday. Um, 
uh, original reporting, unique analysis, open records, all the stuff on the off the field forces that shape college sports. You can uh, subscribe to that for free. Get two uh, issues a week. You can become a paid subscriber and help uh, support the granola and fruit snack fund here at the Brown family and get five newsletters a week. Um, which in my opinion is the best deal. If you are a BYU student or staffer or like uh, anybody that has a BYU email address, you can get half off with promo code 1984. Um, we also run a free podcast called Going for Two with my colleague Brian Fisher. That's available wherever you get podcasts. And I also produce original video content for uh, something called Collegiate Sports Connect. That is a joint venture between my bosses and uh, WNT, which, which runs websites for college athletic departments across the country, uh, Turner Sports Associates, one of the biggest search firms and like consulting groups in the industry. And if you want to see me uh, interview athletic directors and conference commissioners and heavyweights within the industry every day, along with my colleagues, you can subscribe there for free. Um, you should definitely do that if you're in the industry or you're like a media member. But, you know, in the past couple of days, we broke that University of New Orleans is considering starting a football program. I have a sit down interview with a couple of conference commissioners with the AD at Davidson to talk about Pioneer League football and and uh, you know, being successful out of small departments. All that stuff's free. It's available, too. Um, so extra points going for two. Collegiate Sports Connect. Watch some of those things. You're going to really understand this industry. Thanks again, Matt. Look forward to doing it again soon, all right? Hey, my, my, my pleasure, my friend. Anytime. There you have it, folks. Matt Brown, a huge thank you to him for taking some time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. Check out all of his work. I, I mean it, folks. If you're not subscribed to Extra Points, you're not listening to Going for Two, or if you're not checking out D1 Ticker on a daily basis, I encourage you guys to get started on that now. It's a lot of fun, a lot of good intel, and a lot of good info overall. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the show. Once again, a huge thank you to Matt Brown for taking some time on tomorrow's show. Mike Littlewood, BYU baseball head coach with season prospectus with us here on Locked On Cougars, looking ahead to the upcoming baseball season. What does he make of his squad? Does he believe they can make it to the NCAA regionals this year? Find out on tomorrow's show. And a big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you guys now to make sure you check out Locked On Big 12. It is your daily podcast covering all things Big 12 news. BYU's joining the conference in 2023. Might as well get up to speed on everything going on in the conference right now with Josh Neighbors, who hosts that show daily. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. Have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for February 8th, 2022, and we will catch you guys manana. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.